Welcome, everybody. This is episode eight. We have a wonderful guest for you today, one of our dear friends, Sarah. Miss Sarah, try on a shirt on the line. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so Sarah is a member of the Denver Ballet. Ballet. Oh, my God. Ballet Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even drunk. <laughs> Al- okay. Oh, I, okay. Can I introduce myself? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> My name is Sarah Tryon. I am an immigrant. I am from Canada. I have lived in the United States for 10 years and I work at the Colorado Ballet as one of their professional ballerinas and part-time in the wardrobe when the kids are actually performing, which they're not right now because of COVID. And she's a full-time student. That too. (laughs) So you've been here 10 years. Mm -hmm. What age were you when you moved here? So I was 18. I moved to New York City um, after my first job because I had a really bad injury and I needed to rehab it. And just, I felt like there's no opportunity left for me in Canada at that point because there's maybe like three major companies and I had already been associated with most of them at that point. So I felt like I needed a fresh new start and to restart basically my body with ballet, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I feel like that. I mean, as a former dancer myself, nowhere near like Sarah, you guys, it was never a professional. But once you've already been associated with companies, if that's not the direction you want to go, it's kind of hard to start over unless you go somewhere new. Exactly. Like entirely. And especially like the dance world in the US is much bigger than Canada. In Canada, when you're there, it doesn't feel that insular. But when you leave it, you realize how insular it really is. So when you left Canada, you came and you danced with uh, which company? So not with a company. I went to a ballet school. It's called Ellison Ballet. It's very small. Um, they're, they're more famous now, but when I was there, they were still growing as a school. For me, it was building from like the ground up again at the ripe old age of 19. <laughs> which it's is hard like, to do as a dancer. Yeah. I, yeah. Or like as any student, you know, you take, take someone who has done like 500 hours of yoga training. Like if I, any, anytime I enter another one to do even additional, like I did 25 hours last year, I just stripped away everything I knew. And you go in kind of like with these new open eyes, like pretend that you know nothing. Like mm-hmm. you just have right. to absorb it all from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like for you, Sarah, it's like that, but like 18 years worth of hours. Yeah, pretty much. Well, like seven well, like sixteen. Oh, seven. Did how? When did you start dancing? When I was twelve. Dang. So you kind of had a late start. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. And it's so weird. Like I've gotten used to not really saying that because for some reason in the professional world, when people ask you what age you start at, and when you're in a professional, and you're like, oh, I started like twelve or fourteen. Sometimes you get a lot of professionals who just look at you and they're like, ow. Okay. But I'm going to guess that most of those (laughs) professionals were from the United States because I feel like we're the only country that pushes people, us in Russia, I feel like we're the only two countries that like push people into these things when they're like three years old and they just set the, like your parents set your path for you. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of happy that you had like a normal upbringing and then started dancing. Like it makes you kind of like have a different perspective on it. Yeah, I was definitely I was such a tomboy as a kid because I have two brothers <laughs> and I just wanted to do everything they wanted to do. And then I got to a point when I was about 11, I started tap dancing and hip hop. And there, my teacher one day came in. She's like, oh, there's a ballet school doing auditions. She's like, it's a boarding school. And I was like, boarding school? Like Harry Potter? I want to try this. Yeah. <laughs> I oh love that. Oh my God, funny. <laughs> I'm like, that's also something I never say because it's not like, oh, I always dreamed of being a ballerina. For me, it was like, I wanted to go to boarding school and wear a uniform like Hermione fucking Granger in Harry <laughs> Potter because I was obsessed. <laughs> and that valley was my avenue to doing that, to like leaving my hometown and going to Toronto and going to boarding school. <laughs> that is amazing. Did you have a wand? Did you bring one with you? No. Sarah, I had no idea. You were such a nerd. I was- <laughs> I'm so happy you're a Potterhead. Me too. (laughs) Okay, so most important question, you guys: What house is everybody in? Ravenclaw. You would be a Ravenclaw. I said the same thing. That's so funny. When people ask me, I'm like, definitely either Ravenclaw or 
you know. I'm a little Slytherin, though. I'm a hardcore Slytherin through and through. There's no other house for me. <laughs> I'm dead. I've, I'm, I've died. I have so much Slytherin paraphernalia. Like, all you Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw people, bye-bye. I'm a Slytherin for life. <laughs> oh, I can't. But I can see the appeal of that, Sarah. I could see the appeal. I've always wanted to, like, go away to boarding school. And I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but, like, the um, movie a little princess I always wanted to go away even though she was treated like garbage but like the whole other allure of the boarding school always made me want to go and of course I never went but it was always something I wanted to do so I could see how that like kind of pulled you into ballet and Mm -hmm. sucked you in and then when you arrived you were probably like oh my god I'm like 12 years old and I don't have to live with my parents this is fantastic and your your body's like perfect and I feel like you were just made to be a ballerina like it's like it's in the stars. So I'm about to join the 75 day hard challenge. And it's like, you have to work out two times a day, 45 minutes each time, which is no problem. So I'm starting that tomorrow morning. God save my soul. I was going to say, God bless you. (laughs) SOS mayday. But um, as a ballerina, do they have like goal weights for you? Do you like have to weigh in? Like, what are the, what are these myths, you know, like you watch like center stage and on all these like great (laughs) movies and you're like, what's real. (laughs) Okay. So this is a great topic for you to bring up because I get very frustrated with this. So obviously in places like Russia where they, like you mentioned, they like pick you from birth and train you and make sure you have to be like this certain way before you can move on. Like Russia and China, I might be over speaking. There's definitely weigh-ins when you're a kid. Yeah, I was going to say China probably absolutely has that as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they probably, are- like, cut your feet, too. <laughs> oh, my God. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, probably. Um, so <laughs> I grew up at a valley school that uh, I, like, almost don't want to say this because I have such a huge reputation. So this valley school very much focused on being healthy. And that was their main priority. But this being healthy had an undertone of be healthy, but you also have to be very thin until you got to the point where you're too thin. And then they like suspended you from doing certain things until you gained weight. It was this very weird, like touchy line that they walked. Oh, I can't stand Um, that. Did they actually do like weigh-ins and stuff? Like I know that for Rochester City Ballet at the Draper Academy, if you wanted to be a professional dancer, truly in my hometown, you went to Draper School of Dance. And they absolutely did weigh-ins and everybody had to wear the same color leotard for the level they were at. So they didn't care if you were 14 or eight years old. If you were at like this particular level, you were all in class together. You wore a yellow leotard leotard, and you had to weigh in at a certain weight for your height and age. Okay. So I'm lucky where I've never experienced that. And I don't know if it's because I grew up in in Canada, probably. We're a little more like let's be healthy and happy and like socialist-ish. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so a little Russian, <laughs> no, not but in a all. different way, in a different way. <laughs> it's, we're definitely more like PC in every way. So I never experienced that, but we did have this one nutritionist and she's fantastic. She's very knowledgeable. She came in from New York city and the way that she approached food was a very like biochemist centric way. So she would teach us how foods affect your body. So like, these are the pro-inflammatory foods. And if you're having trouble sleeping, like you need to eat these kinds of foods because like of how they affect your biology and your physiology and how things will like happen. And how, if you want to increase your cardio, you have to do it in the spring months because spring is like the optimal time to change your body and your muscle tone, just stuff like that. And I think with that information, Oh my God, Paige, you know exactly what I'm going to be talking about right now. But like within the culture of dance, we are always like competitive with your peers. Like we kind of took that information as teenagers and ran with it and was kind of like, oh, my bowl of pasta is a smaller serving than yours because mine's proper half cup. Like shit like that. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally. A (laughs) hundred percent. So even though the staff didn't create a culture of you have to be thin, it was like the students ourselves did it. See where, and so I danced too as a kid, but at this place called Pinewood School of Dance in New York, but the teachers instilled it in us. Like Fran, who was my ballet teacher, she would always like call me out and be like, oh, you're too fat to do that. Or 
Allison, you're too chubby for this. We're going to have to pick a different costume because of you. You know, late 80s, early 90s, they didn't give a fuck. Oh, that did not go away in the 90s. Ruthless. No, <laughs> I didn't 2000s, think so. honey, that was still happening. <laughs> I mean, it still like, happens today, I'm sure. It, I'm sure. Maybe. I don't see, this is where like, I kind of love this topic right now. Because I think there's a shift happening right now with all of this where like I have to even be careful in wardrobe because my boss is fantastic but she'll pull costumes for kids maybe like five months before they actually wear them and these kids are always growing and then I'll have a fitting with the kid and try to put her in a tutu that needs to be like added to like a three inch panel or it just doesn't work and it's like I have to like stop myself from saying like oh this doesn't fit you like hit puberty (laughs) yeah exactly but also ballet students are so sensitive And I remember being in that space and like, I catch myself sometimes being like, oh, this doesn't fit you. And then I'm like, fuck, this kid's totally going to think I'm calling them fat, even though like this costume wouldn't even fit me. And I am like seven inches shorter than this girl that I'm trying to put a tutu on. I can't even imagine. The pressure must be insane. I don't know. Like with weight, see, this is where I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just blessed that I have a, like evolved into the adult body I'm in right now but a bunch of girls actually just came out recently who used to dance at the company I dance at and on Instagram and basically accused the company of like fat shaming which I've Wait, never the Colorado Ballet? yes which I personally have never experienced because I've actually been talked to for being too skinny and there's like at least three other dancers I can name who have also had that same talk of like, you need to put on weight because you're going to get injured. You don't look healthy. Interesting. But that's, do you feel- that's like reverse shaming. That's like making you feel bad for having just this naturally skinny body. And like, also you're dancing a million hours a day. I'm sure that like, that just keeps you very toned. I mean- I didn't see it as shaming. Like it's also the altitude, like your body is working harder. So if you move here from a different state, like I moved here from Florida, my eating habits have changed entirely from moving from Florida. Like I used to, I was still in that ballet school mentality of like rice and not pasta because pasta is a bad carb, you know, it's just bullshit like that. And when I moved to Um, I'm still in that mentality (laughs) and I don't dance for a living. Like I, I think so. I'm dead. <laughs> but also like moving here, I eat pasta like every single day just to keep my energy up because it's like a different environment. Girl, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> right. Well, Sarah, I'd be curious to know, like, do you think that, I mean, I guess from what you're saying, it wasn't really so much like that where you went to school in Canada, um, but you know, I I think there's a lot of schools that don't take on those practices and very, very many that do. But would you say that generally speaking, as you get into professional companies, some of that kind of goes away because everybody knows this overall expectation of what their body needs to look like for them to stay employed? Or, or do you think it's just as prevalent among like these bigger companies? So I can only speak from my own experience experience and what I've heard from other friends. So I'm going to have some like anecdotal things to say. Um, sure. I know that one of my friends, she was at a company in Europe and she left the company because they emphasized you being real thin to get any roles or promotions. Like they so want you to be real thin in order to yeah, get promoted. That, that like came down from the staff and this is from what she said. So everybody also has their own like you know, your own point of views and your own like traumas that you put onto your own experience and how you read situations. Right. And there's like the politics of all of it and like, yeah. And, but also like (laughs) in Florida, when my company there, they literally would not put women into something if they needed to lose five kilos. She needs to lose (laughs) two stone. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so like my first season there, two of my roommates were two of those girls who were like spoken to and it's like, you know, you need to lose weight if you want to be put into things. Like we can't put you on stage looking like this. And it was a very old school mentality, which is starting to not happen as much anymore. Yeah. Um, It's just so crazy to think about. I don't know. I guess I had the opposite experience as most women because I've like, are you familiar with like the body types like ectomorph and mesomorph and stuff like that? Yes. Don Juan is ectomorph. Same. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm so, the like, opposite. No, he's I'm not. That, no way. Yes, he is. Uh, no, I swear he's to the God. one that's in the middle. I don't believe you. He's not nearly. Moore. He's not nearly thin enough to be. He's too he muscular. To eat, he has to eat a ridiculous amount of food to stay that muscular, though. He eats so much food, and he's still very thin. Pretty sure. Yeah, I guess I've just never looked at Don Juan and thought he was thin. Well, we've also never seen him naked. But that's anyway. true. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember meeting Don Juan and realizing that no, when I met him. <laughs> Exactly what you're gonna talk about. Me oh too. <laughs> okay, so for the listeners who have heard of Don Juan, I met Don Juan this summer, and when I met him, I had no idea what his name was. I just knew that he was nicknamed Beefcake, and every time I met him, <laughs> he'd be eating two Chipotle burritos basically at once. This is so fun. Fucking great. <laughs> and I wasn't until like maybe like five months later I realized that Don Juan was the one who was with Aloe but not <laughs> dating but not dating. <laughs> your man who isn't your man. <laughs> also known as your not boyfriend. Yes. I know that page is one. We, oh, I don't know. One day we were at I, your house. I just like turned to Paige and I was like, Beefcake is Don Juan. <laughs> She's like, okay. She goes, Hearing Aid Man is Don Juan. Oh, Hearing Aid Man. No, no, no. Earplug Man. Earplug Man. <laughs> I'm fucking dead. I so, hope he never listens to this. Oh my God. Oh, I hope he does. He used to wear, <laughs> he still does, I'm sure. So, Don 100%. Juan, for you guys. Um, I thought for the longest time that he was hard of hearing because Me too. he wears Me earplugs too. like every day, but it looks like he has hearing aids. And I just assumed he was hard of hearing. Old anyway, they're friend. not, they're not um, hearing aids, they're earplugs. And he does it to do sense training, right? I, it doesn't make any sense. And it's very weird. And I don't like he it. He does it because he, it's like everything, like everyday life is just too loud for him. I'm surprised he doesn't wear sunglasses at night. He does. Oh my god. He does, Sarah. And he has a second pair. They're yellow and they're actually really helpful. I'm not gonna lie. And I had a pair too. And like it makes the lights that are coming at you like not so bright. So you can actually see. But anyway, yeah, he does. He wears sunglasses. I have to get a pair of those. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm dead. Anyways, what we were talking about? Don we were Juan. talking about body. We were talking about body shape. Oh, oh ectomorphs. Yeah. Yes. So ectomorph. So, oh god. See, this is where I've had the opposite experience, and this is what I loved about your guys's when you're talking about for the love of transformation that episode. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, everyone's has such a unique struggle with their bodies. Absolutely, and. It was interesting. Like what I loved about that episode is like, I have struggled in the opposite sense of you guys. I think because you're so hyper aware of like what you're going through that you think the other person's blessed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would never have known, like, I've just like every, like I've met like so many people in my life and they're like, Oh, I've had an eating disorder too. Or like, um, like I can't gain weight or, you know, and I'm just like, what? I'm like, that's a problem. Like, uh, like, what yeah I wish that was a real thing for me I'm like I can teach you how to gain 20 pounds in 20 days baby let's go oh same yeah whereas cakes for dinner (laughs) whereas like on my end and I think it's just because I do I am a professional ballerina for a living I probably wouldn't have this struggle if I wasn't but like I struggle to maintain my weight and there's days after like a six-hour rehearsal day where I'm like I need french fries a burger ice cream milkshake stat because I feel so like, good because like I feel like I'm withering away and even this won't do anything to like make me feel like I look like an adult woman <laughs> so basically what you're saying is I need to just dance for six hours a day and I can look <laughs> like you <laughs> no my whole family is very like tiny people um, but it's like for me it's like psychologically because I have to stare at myself in the mirror all day long and like pick out my own like imperfections I'm also short. I'm like, what, 5'3", right? About, we're all like the same height. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, we're all pretty short. <laughs> um, yeah. But like a lot of the times I get mistaken for like a 17 year old girl, which at like 28 years old as a woman is so fucking frustrating. And so like, that's where like I have personal yeah, body I issues. Cause it's just like, I'm almost 30 and I want to be seen as a woman, but I will forever be seen as this like prepubescent girl. <laughs> as Clara but, in the Nutcracker. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's why you're perfect for that role. You know, because we it's were her just least talking favorite about role. that. <laughs> it's, my least well, favorite. it's her least favorite. She hates it. <laughs> what if you went for Clara next year, knowing that it's like perfect for you? And then they were like, you can't be Clara. Like, would you be upset? No, but also you don't, <laughs> you don't offer yourself up for roles. You're told what you're doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's so crazy. So how long can you dance for? Like what, like what is, you know, cause like, you know, gymnasts, their career ends when they're like, I don't know, 21. <laughs> <laughs> Average age is around 40. Okay. There's some who dance till they're about like 48. I have friends who've quit already. Do you do any like black swan stuff? Like has anyone ever like hurt some or like, you know, showgirls oh like Jesse from Saved by the Bell like makes what's her face crystal like fall down and like takes her spot, you know? I'm so into it. No. That does not happen. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can like you never I can know. tell Paige is like she has so many stories though. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my God. Tell, tell us the story. I'm here um, for it. No, it's more. So Paige and I, we were actually telling somebody else about this a few weeks ago. I forgot what his code name is on here. Ted, Eddie. We were, we we're telling Ted about it. Professional ballerinas. Not everyone. There's a lot of fantastic people in ballet who are great artists, great, well-rounded humans, like very self-actualized, mature. On the other hand, you also have a lot who are still stuck in high school. Men- like mentally where everything's an issue they bully people like you're still 13 14 online they bully you just by like you know never liking your photos or just stupid shit like that that's what really goes on in like a ballet company or it's like a group oh of people God. they're mad about casting so they decide like oh we're not gonna like that person now and you're just like i fucking bosses control this shit not us yeah. Okay. So very petty, very mm-hmm. stupid. Uh, it's like, oh, like, I'm sorry that that's like your biggest problem in life. Yeah. You like know? I've, I've full on said to one of my coworkers once where she kept hazing me about a role that I was doing and she was cast behind me for, and she said something super snarky to me. And I was so fed up that I was like, you know what, if you have a fucking issue with my casting, go talk to our boss. I'm not the one who put myself in this role. Oh shit. Good for you. Like you have to, you have to stand up for yourself. Otherwise people will walk all over you. That's oh, yeah, her but- Aries. That's her Aries coming out right there. That's you guys. totally my Aries. I'm just like, get the fuck out of my way. Leave me alone. Let me do my thing. And a little bit of your Leo. You're like, yeah. I'm sorry. It's not my fault that I'm this popular. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can't help it that I'm popular. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) No, not at all. I was actually really nervous about this role too. And like, I was sick to my stomach every day about it. So like, it just made it even worse. What was your favorite role? um, Mina in Dracula. Ooh. Dracula. I love Dracula. Um, Every single role I danced in that ballet was so much fun. I did Mina, which is the principal woman. I also, I was like a hotel maid that like drank, which she wasn't supposed to. So that was fun. (laughs) It's a very small role that you wouldn't even notice, but I loved it. Um, I was also one of the undead, which was really fun because we had these buckets of like red corn syrup that you had to go to the back of the stage and like wipe all over your face. Um, and I would get Whoa. really into it and like lick my fingers and be like, ew, so many people have put their hands in this bucket. <laughs> so everything in Dracula You're was me miss amazing. I know I miss it so much right now. I was actually talking to my boss yesterday. I was like, I just want to be in the studio. Like this, I'm over this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to kind of get your perspective. Um, you know, it's interesting because you're from Canada. You kind of get kind of two different sides of the coin of being an immigrant in the U S during this pandemic, but also being an artist 
in the U.S. during the pandemic. So I'd, I'd love to hear if you're willing to talk about it, like your perspective from both sides. Uh, I mean, like where to begin? Yeah, I think I think you might have to give me more like direct questions. So right, I even sure. like know so where to go. So <laughs> as an immigrant that also that's working in the United States, like how has the shutdown and affected your ability to work? Let's start with that. It's affected me in the sense that if I wanted to go seek employment elsewhere to supplement like lost income, I absolutely 100% cannot do it. So I am literally at the mercy of unemployment, which if anybody's listening and wondering, yes, O-1 visa holders are allowed to collect unemployment legally. <laughs> That's good. You know, that was one of my questions, actually. So <laughs> so I'm at the mercy of unemployment and my job. Um, those are the only two ways that I can make money in this country. So even if I lost unemployment, couldn't get it for whatever reason, if they cut off unemployment for everyone and I was still laid off from the ballet, I would quite literally be fucked for an income. It's so crazy. Now, why, why is that, Sarah? Because I am on an O-1 visa, which is a specialized artist visa, which is actually really hard to get now. Um, it wasn't when I got one eight or nine years ago. Um, so the people who are typically on an O-1 are hockey players, baseball players, basketball, singers, actors. So think like Justin Bieber or like Ryan Gosling when they first like came to the U.S. <laughs> mm. um, ballet dancers, opera singers, um, violinists, people who play in orchestras, like we're all on the O-1, it's like specialized performing artist visa. Gotcha. That's really and cool. And an O-1 specifically is tethered to whatever company you're working for or whatever sports team you're working for, whatever record label you're working for, et cetera. Okay. So you can't like go work for another ballet per se. I would have to get another visa or go as a guest artist with special permission from my company. I imagine they don't love doing that. No, they do. If you're off season, they're fine with it. Okay. Yeah. So what's the status for the ballet here? Like what is, what's the work life been like for you? Like how, give me your timeline a little. Okay. Um, so it's been kind of off and on. So we got sent home in March when the city of Denver closed all performing arts venues. Um, this was even before we had like a mask mandate and restaurants for reduced capacity. Um, they so were we just got like, you're done. Well, kind of, because if like we can't perform, they can't pay us to rehearse. So they're they basically called us into a studio and we're like, And they've never thought about like going digitally, like digital at all, like virtual performances, like Broadway. Well, see, the thing is, we would have to open the theater and be able to work within the theater to do that. And backstage, there's like 200 plus people at all times making the whole show run. So you have all of wardrobe, all of the stagehands, everybody who works in tech and lighting, the whole orchestra, all the dancers, all the understudies, the whole staff, putting all of that together is a huge breach of any COVID protocol. <laughs> so this is also like just so interesting to me that, that it takes that many people to make a show possible. How mm -hmm. does the ballet make money? Because I feel like the tickets are not super expensive. Oh <laughs> I'm just curious <laughs> um so I I don't know I'm just a dancer <laughs> you're like that's above my pay grade <laughs> totally is. no I like I have an idea but I don't know exactly how it works I know that in our company in specific here in Colorado we've been very lucky and we've been making a surplus money for the past four-ish years five-ish years since I've been here Okay. We're also lucky in the sense that we own our building that we rehearse in. Oh, so, okay. And we also own a few productions. So we own our Nutcracker. We own Dracula, which we rent to other companies. So the sets and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or we, we own the sets and costumes for Dracula. We don't own the rights to it. And right. we also co-own Wizard of Oz that we did two years ago. So every time a company rents and performs that, we get revenue for it. Okay, this um, makes sense. So there's some, I yes. Imagine, 
I and imagine then, some people sponsor and are donors and things like that. Oh, yes. There's a ton of sponsors because in the United States, unfortunately, nothing's government sponsored for the arts. It's like literally like pulling like, water from a rock. Um, Is that different elsewhere? Oh, yes, of course. Um, my friend from National Ballet of Mexico, he was passing through Denver about a month ago to see his parents because he was laid off. And so in Mexico, they've been receiving full pay while being laid off because they're government sponsored. And they also get paid 13 months a year. They get extra pay in December. What? Which does not happen anywhere in America. Yeah. What the wow. age? Yeah. Ugh. God, I just I'm feel a like jealous. as Americans in general, we like take for granted how much the arts represent a culture and like your population. And we're just like, it doesn't matter. But like we all talked about with Sydney a couple weeks ago, like when we're all in that unifying moment on our deathbed, like it's not how many contracts did you write and things like that at the end of the day. It's like what touched you as a human being. Yeah, it's it's a weird culture surrounding arts here compared to like where else I've been like in Zurich like it was not like this <laughs> so now how Either. long can you stay like what what is the plan like if you're here for two years without working like they can't send you back right um so I'm currently working right now uh we okay. <laughs> they brought us back on zoom <laughs> good we're back on contract until the end of our when our season was supposed to end the goal right now is working towards potentially performing in April. Okay. Okay. Heavy emphasis on potential. Yeah, I know. Um, Girl, I'll be partner. there to support. Screaming your name with time. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's so, sorry, I'm getting like off track. So I, my, my no, visa is every, fine. My visa is every three years and it's up for renewal this year and I they're just going to renew it anyway because I'm working technically and they plan to have us back in August again working technically so it's not like I haven't been off for like two seasons and I will never be off for a massive chunk of time where they're going to revoke my visa okay good and I would actually have to be fired from the institution for them to revoke my visa <sighs> it's just crazy to think about I know like when I had to apply for unemployment this year, I actually, I called Sarah because Sarah has to apply. I don't know if this is okay for me to share Sarah. I don't, I don't think you care, but Go Sarah ahead. has to apply <laughs> every summer when she's on layoff. So she was actually like super equipped to deal with, you know, bracing the storm per se. She's like, <laughs> and, oh, I'm, I'm ready for this. I can oh my God. Totally. Can I interject Paige? Please. Yeah. You know, when like the whole world was like, no unemployment. I was like, oh, I got this. I do this every <laughs> summer. And then I was like, oh, and you're giving me an extra $600. Awesome. That's going straight into my savings because I know how to live off my normal rate. <laughs> oh my God, girl. Good for you. That's amazing. And she was like, I'm going to go back to school full time. Yep. She's crushing it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's good. You take something that is a terrible situation and you're turning it around and making it work. Not only are you making it work, but you have like a great attitude about it. I just want to be in the studio. I'm so sick of this COVID thing. I'm so sick of these protocols from our union, just holding things back. Like dancers need to dance. You're not a dancer if you're not dancing. That's true. Like, like what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. So we've talked a lot about like, how you got into the world of ballet and how you've been affected um, as a performer and as an immigrant during the shutdown um, and kind of like the next steps forward with that. But I'd love to kind of just get your two cents as an outsider on, you know, the socio-political things going on in the U.S. right now as somebody that didn't really grow up in this climate. I mean, this is where I don't like a lot shutdown. has happened. I mean, when I moved to the U.S., Barack Obama was president. It that, was those his, were some great days. It was his second year in office, I think. So 2010. Yep. Part of me, I'm so scared to say the wrong thing because I have so many friends who are so like politically and act like activist involved. Um, outside well, of Colorado, I think just I be, like, I think just be honest. Yeah. yeah like, I think America 
is a really fucking scary place right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. To the point where like, I almost every single family member last week texted me and said, I hope you can buy a gun, which is not Oof. something a Canadian would say. <laughs> do, they, um, do they have, like, what is the gun status in Canada? I think it depends on the province. And please don't quote me on this because last time I used a gun, I was maybe like 10 and it was a hunting rifle. And I did like a little hunting course to be able to use it with my grandfather. I had to do it for like seven days. (laughs) Um, That's so cute. But it's a longer process. I know that for a fact there's, you need to take a course to carry it, to learn how to clean it. You need to store it appropriately and have it inspected. I think depending on the province, you need to have two or three people who are not relatives sign off on your mental health. You need to go through a mental health evaluation and you need to go through like- Everybody should. And you need to go through, like, you have to get your license to show that you can operate a gun. Then you have to apply for a permit to get one. And then there's, like, either a three- or to six-week waiting period before you can actually go and purchase the gun. Okay, so I'll tell you guys from experience, it's not like that in Colorado. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) all I had to do was show my driver's license, and they're like, here you go. Oh, my God, that's so I think in New York, it's super easy, too. They get, like, a 24 to 72-hour holding period to do your background check and then they call you and they're like you can come pick it up yeah that needs to be longer I think like waiting three weeks definitely is like a I think that's actually a great waiting period like being like okay I want to buy this gun and like if you're trying to do it on a whim to murder someone you're probably still not going to be on that whim in three weeks what's confusing to me is like I can go to a range and rent a gun and use it but I can't purchase one myself here (laughs) it's so weird too because i try like i only use my colorado id when i'm within the u.s because i don't like traveling or going anywhere with my passport obviously and i went with my colorado id and as a foreigner on your id it says not for government use so like just so if you try to like vote you can't do that (laughs) and he was like oh yeah i can't take this and i was like why he was like, oh, because it's not official government ID. And I was like, well, I go on air, like I travel within the US and it's like on airplanes. And he was like, no, 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 you need your passport. He was like, if you handed me your passport, you can use any gun you want in here. And I was like, okay. What? I don't know. It was such a weird experience. Yeah, that makes zero oh, sense. I know. And it's different in every state in the US. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like in Florida, I didn't have to show anything. I just walked up and used my friend's gun. And I'm terribly scared of guns, just in case you're wondering <laughs> i said be... i would recommend not using one <laughs> yeah gun violence in canada is basically unheard of like there's maybe like i think our biggest mass shooting was like 13 people in the history of canada ever i want to move to canada let's just make this happen <laughs> so your parents said to get a gun your yeah my dad did which i was kind of like oh you know i'm in colorado like sometimes people like riot a bit but we're pretty like chill out here i think i'm gonna be fine compared to other places in the country i think yeah i was like we're not portland we're not dc we're not la like people get very heated about social issues out here but we're not like the type to like literally like storm the capitol building no they did kind of vandalize it a little bit during the blm marches and riots oh yes i remember that which like i (laughs) I just don't understand why like vandalism has to be a thing. And this just might be like the Canadian in me, but like, why? This is where I don't, this is where I have like a disconnect with America. I'm just like, why do you guys think that violence is the answer? Like it has been proven time after time, after time, after time, that violence is not the answer. Like I know that there's so many massive social issues in this country that are very deep rooted within this country, because quite literally it used to be literally written into the constitution. As we all know that a black person in the South was three fifths, the like value of a white man, which I think is disgusting. This country was built on racism and it has a long way to go to conquer its social issues and i don't really know what to say as a i just don't know how to regard it as a foreigner because i'm like yes i'm living here but i'm also in a very like insular ballet bubble for the most part that's true i'm 
And just being in Colorado, I mean, coming from New York, you think about walking around the streets of New York and it's like, there's like so many Hispanic people and, um, you know, there's like Haitians and Africans. Yeah. Like there's like Indians. And I, I mean, just like, I almost feel like the minority, like I'm walking around, which is completely fine with me. Like which I love like, different cultures and I love Canada's, different people. Canada's very much like that. Like Canada's very like open arms. Like we are all immigrants. We know we're immigrants. Like my grandfather came over from Croatia. I know that like my family is a family of immigrants. I'm like what second generation in this country that was actually born here. Um, like my best friend, she lives in Vancouver and Vancouver quite literally is mini Asia. And I fucking love it. It's amazing. <laughs> really? See, I would never have known oh, that. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's great. And like, but I also grew up in like major cities. Like I grew up in Toronto. Um, I moved to Zurich, which, you know, the Swiss, it's a little different than Europe. They have all their like regulations and laws, but like Switzerland was still pretty diverse. And then New That's York so City. Uh, and, what like, was I your lived- favorite place to live? New York City, hands down. I know, I know. You, can, you can't uh, beat it. I know. I could never, I could never live there. I'm surprised that New York was your favorite. Like even after Zurich and every, everywhere else, like all the cool places you've lived. Uh, Zurich is difficult. It's very, um, you learn our language yeah. and it's Swiss German. So like even the German that I tried to brush up on before moving there, like didn't really go very far. (laughs) I remember when I came back from auditions in like 2012, (laughs) I think this was, I was in Europe for six weeks by myself, traveling from company to company, doing ballet auditions. And I came back and I remember talking to one of my classmates and I was like, I love Amsterdam. I feel like myself there. And then she was like, no, you love the version of yourself there. And I was like, yes, but I want to be that version of myself all the time. (laughs) Oh, I loved Amsterdam as well. The flowers, Mm -hmm. you will never see anything like it, like the tulips. Oh my God. Uh huh. So nice. So... Um, if you being, being an immigrant in this country right now, if you knew someone who was planning to come here, what would you tell them to expect? I have some quirky questions always. Oh, a God. Um, be like, don't come. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think one of the biggest things that I learned coming to this country, the first thing you should do is learn what is a racial slur in America because what is a racial slur in America is not a racial slur in Canada most of the time. And you will get yourself into shit. I learned the hard way. Really? Yes. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) I think you need to like educate yourself on where like those cultural divides are. So you don't put your own foot in your mouth, especially if like you're coming from Canada and you sound like you're American and people assume you're American. So we, Josh and I, we were watching TV last week and have you guys watched Ugly Delicious? No, it's not Ugly Delicious. It's one of David Chang's shows. Don't know which one. And in it, he's interviewing Seth Rogen, who is a Canadian. He's from Vancouver. And so they were talking about food and growing up and like relationship with food. And I like saw this, I paused it, rewind it. And I was like, Josh, you need to listen to this because this is like the fundamental difference between America and Canada. Because he always Uh thinks we're the same. And so David Chang and Seth Rogen were talking and David was saying, oh, you know, when I was a kid, my friends would come over and my family would be cooking Korean food and they'd be like, ew, what is this? And like their first thought was to like make fun of me and be like, you eat weird food. You're weird. You're Asian. And then Seth Rogen goes, oh, my God, like for me, if I went to my friend's house and they were making like me Indian food or something, I like my first like the last thing that went through my head was you make fun of this. Like the first thing that went through my head was like, you embrace embrace the culture. Yeah. And it was such like a small moment. But when I like saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is literally what it feels like being Canadian in America. (laughs) Like the fundamental difference between like you make fun of what's different. Whereas Canada's like, you embrace what's different. You need to learn to be careful about bashing America because there's a lot of very prideful Americans. (laughs) Oh, Oh yeah, that's true. Um, I have gotten into a literal argument with one of my boyfriend's friends because I was hounding in on America with all the social injustice issues way back in spring. And I was just going on about how 
fucked up and deep rooted these issues are in this country and how this country is like going through a reckoning that should have happened like a century ago. And he just got very offended with me and basically was like, I'm so offended. I'm so fucking proud to be American. And how dare you say Americans are idiots. And I was like, sorry. Well, we're not the smartest people right now. <laughs> like, well, don't get me wrong. Like, have those. Yeah. Like so. I love being in America. There's a reason I'm here. Um, like I came to the U S for the first time when I was 17 to a summer program in Seattle, um, Pacific Northwest ballet. It's a company out there. And that's when I fell in love with America, with the people, because they're all just so open and crazy and outgoing. And I think I had a very different view of America having, having my first time living here, being in New York city, because I didn't realize how different the rest of the country actually is. Cause New York city is very similar to Toronto, which I also grew up in. So it was, I think it's very eye-opening when I went to audition in different cities and like met people from, you know, like very conservative Oklahoma, Montana, like. Oh God. When I meet them, I'm like, (laughs) who are you? (laughs) Well, like that too, because like, it's funny, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but like one, oh, actually another thing for foreigners, do not get between Americans and their motherfucking religion. Oh Yeah. Yeah. But you know what, even as, even as someone who's grown up here my whole life, like I already know that role, (laughs) no religion or politics at the dinner table ever. I think that's one of our problems as Americans though, to be honest, like I kind of wish we'd get rid of that because we don't know how to talk to each other about our differing opinions and we just shove it under the rug. And I, I, I actually hope that changes. So actually, you kind of just took the words right out of my mouth, like what I was just about to say, Paige. Um, (laughs) No, 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 you're fine. You're totally fine. Like, I completely agree. Like, for me, like religion back home in Canada, it's very, it's a private thing. If you're religious, cool. You go to church, cool. You don't wear it as like a badge of honor as your like Instagram identity. It doesn't define your life. And that's what I, that's what I found was it's very much like in England, it's it's so different in America. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but then that's also like what Punch just said. I just wish that in this country, people would... I mean, I've encountered many conversations, but I there's a girl who I work with who is a diehard Trump supporter. I'll just leave it at that. But I get along with her because we can actually have a conversation about it and we're not attacking each other. Like she knows I'm Canadian. She knows my views like skew, like super liberal socialist. And she respects that. And I respect the fact that she loves Trump, even though I think he's a piece of shit. But like she can actually have a like a productive conversation, which is what I I appreciate because and like I don't fault her for being a Trump supporter because she can actually talk about why she has her conservative views instead of just being like, motherfucking trump 2020 like die socialism like like you know how every other like yeah i i agree i actually i so i come from a very like leftist activist democrat base like most of my family is like that i'm tend to lean more in the middle on many topics but um I have a lot of friends that are also like pretty hardcore Trump supporters. And I don't really have a lot of respect for people's political views in general on either side, if they're just spouting out like hot topic words. Right. And like, yeah. you know, that means literally nothing. It's one of the reasons I don't actually like talk about my views that much in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really respect no matter what side you're on, if you can come to the table and have legitimate, reasons whether I agree with your reasons is different but if like you have legitimate life experiences and issues and various things that are important to you for some reason or another and you can speak about them eloquently with you know whether it's a good source or not like you can back it up right yeah bring something to the table other than just like well because fuck democrats and socialism or well because fuck Mm -hmm. trump because he's a racist it's like sure obviously but like but like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you have to have more of a reason well i shouldn't say that because people are like you don't need more of a reason to hate trump than racism like fair but like (laughs) you can't hate people that have political views because they're represented by someone who sucks 
I personally do not believe in hating someone because of their political views. I think that is such a shallow way to be a human. I think it completely takes the conversation and understanding out of any connection with any human, it, like not even a connection, but even just any sort of relationship from like superficial to a romantic relationship. For me as an outsider looking at American politics, like politics are not your motherfucking identity unless you're a politician. And, even yeah. at and that, I think that's where it's and, like that and even, divide has started to happen here. We're like, you are your, you are your vote. And that's you're not, like, the but whole you're, you're not we all vote anonymously. <laughs> I know, but like, you're not your vote. Like I know my parents in Canada, we have five major parties. My parents have voted for three of the five major parties throughout their entire life. They switch parties yeah. depending on who's running the party and what the party yes. values are. And that's how and, I was raised too. Yeah. What I love about being a foreigner here is like when people get into these like heated political discussions that are just so like, like you said, Paige, like very like just rhetoric being spit. And then you kind of like try to poke at them and like ask them like, well, like what's your actual like basis behind this? And then I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think I, all yeah. started you asked them why, you know, we like, started with religion. We moved to politics. And I think because I think it's all interconnected. Actually, correct. sorry, this is the point I'm trying to say is like yeah. that my main issue, not with all Americans, but majority of Americans. And I encountered this in Bali a lot, too, is if you're not thinking exactly like I am, get the fuck out of my face. And I actually Ugh, had an argument yeah. with one of the other dancers and sorry if you're listening to this person in the future. <laughs> um, so we were, we were out for drinks and I am, um, he brought up something along the lines. I am pair for like, I'm not even, I'm like, yeah, not even, I'm not quoting. Yes. He brought up something that said something about like, how can you even be friends with someone if you don't think exactly like them? And he was adamant in this. And I kind of like, and he's somebody I do not get along with at work. And I was like, this is why we don't get along. Like in my head, I was like, this is why I think you're a piece of shit. Um, And then I like spoke up and I was like, I'm sorry, but I completely disagree because some of my best friends could not be the most opposite people from I am. And I respect them for their views and they respect me and we have a mutual understanding and we're able to communicate and expand each other's like thoughts on life and have these very colorful conversations. And a lot of my friends are extremely religious Republican women. And I love them like sisters and they know that I am like as left as it gets with everything, with values and views and how I think things should be run. And I was just saying to him and I was like, that's probably the most close-minded thing I've ever heard in my life. I was like, I completely disagree with you. And this is also like literally why I don't get along with you. Because if you think that everybody around you has to think exactly like you, like that is the issue in America. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. We don't have to like it, but we certainly have to listen and we have to understand and or try to understand where they're coming from. Or even just respect it. Like you can disagree and still respect what's being said. It makes you a better person. Even if at the end of the conversation, you still decide you vehemently hate somebody and never want to speak to them again. Like it can only help you grow to at least comprehend where somebody who's on a totally different spectrum than you are is coming from. Like, I never see that as a bad thing. It's always a learning experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it also, I mean, this is not an always truth. There's no stats here, you guys at all, but just like (laughs) in my personal experience, people who have lived and or traveled more places and experienced a variety of cultures. So they're not just moving from city to city to city that have like similar culture to each other, like uh, Toronto to New York to wherever the fuck, you know, Yeah. Um, where it's the same thing, but they've moved from like a New York or Toronto to New York, to Florida, to a foreign country, to Denver, which honestly, like everybody thinks we're super democratic here and like very, oh, only, I don't oh, think so. oh, very red state. Oh, no. Like it's blue because people move here. Okay. Yeah, I have more Republican friends in the state than I did back in New York for sure. Yes, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I and mean, I, I, their experience, I'm like, I get it. I get why this is why you think it makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Do you guys think, I mean, this is just my mind going at a thousand miles an hour as it normally is. Do you think America has just 
they're just okay with ignorance and they're just unwillful to learn. Like, it's kind of like a, this is what I know. And this is fact now, instead of like expanding and figuring out if that's the actual truth. Cause I feel like as a foreigner looking in America, that's how everything plays out. It's like, this is what I know because this is what, and I think they're really good at regurgitation. Yeah. It just makes me think back to like the 2016 election when I took my little sister to vote. It was her first election and she was like nervous about doing it on her own, yada, yada, yada. We're like very different people. Um, So I took her and then we get into like where we're actually voting and she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fill out this ballot. I was like, are you kidding me? So then I had to like help her fill it out. I was like, oh my God. And I asked her, you know, she voted for Trump. And and I said, uh, and she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I know she won't hear this. My mom does, so she might say something, but I don't care. So she voted for Trump. And I said to her, I said, why are you voting for Trump, Olivia? Like, you know, and she's like, because if I took a quiz on Facebook and it told me that that's who my political views aligned with. Oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not. Can I like, can I like... <laughs> Oh my God. My soul is like she, slapping your sister right now. Yeah. Oh my but God. She did and I'm over here like, him. that seems like a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, but not she that didn't I was on Facebook, but like, I actually am a very big proponent of if you're going to go out and vote and you're not politically informed, maybe Facebook's not the place to go. But there's t- plenty of quiz generators that ask you what you think about different topics and they tell you who to vote for. And I think that's it's better than just voting for somebody because you like blindly are like, I guess I'll vote Democrat this time. It's like, no, like vote for the person that you are most aligned with. Uh, why do people not yeah. research this shit for themselves though? This is what drives me nuts. We were very specifically taught like in civics class. It was, this is how you research candidates for voting. And then they gave us like, and an election was coming up. So they made us go research all those candidates and do like a mock election as if we were adults and we were like 10 year olds, man. I'm like the closest <laughs> I ever came to that was voting for a school president. And it was a hundred percent of popularity contest, which I think makes a lot of sense. As oh it all comes back to how fucked up, like how people use your party in America as like a personality trait and identity definer yeah. or something like that holds, holds it against you too. Oh my God. No. Yeah. There's sorry, Colorado ballet, but there's like a lot of people at the company who have hazed this girl who voted for Trump. Oh God. To the point where she's like blocked them off social media. And then people like, I've actually had people ask me like, why do you talk to this person? I'm like, why wouldn't I? She's still a human being. She's still in ballet. There's still in the arts. There's like a lot of value to her beyond her fucking vote for Trump. <laughs> I can't. Oh, God. <laughs> and it must drive you like crazy that you live here and you can't vote. Oh my God. Of course. Like I have, I've said this to a few people. I think the worst thing right now, being a foreigner in America, and especially someone who's been here as long as me is just having to sit back and just watch it all happen. I like, eventually I want to go into immigration law and deal with (laughs) all of that because I think it's so fucked up the way that they regard it in this country. Oh, I love that you want to do that girl. That's um, awesome. Well, it's mostly coming from like an arts thing. And I'm just going to make this very brief because I know we're getting really long here. Um, with the arts specifically, it gets very frustrating because I've had lawyers ask me, so what news articles are you in and what competitions have you done? Because that's the only thing the government cares about, which is so infuriating as an artist because I have had such a blessed career as an artist where like people would kill for the resume that I do have. And I say this humbly, like, I know that I've been blessed (laughs) and I'm not trying to like rub it into anybody's faces. Like I am fully aware that I've been charmed and that's where I get mad because I'm just looking like talking to the lawyer and saying like, I don't think you understand. Like my career is a career that most people would murder for. And you're asking me about, and you're asking me about competitions which don't mean anything when it comes to an actual career. And that's kind of why I wanted to go into immigration law to kind of hopefully influence how they (laughs) think visas should be handed out. Yeah. Seriously. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it just like, it blows my mind because you're basically telling people who are more than qualified that they're not qualified because they're just like not famous from news articles. Oh my God. (laughs) And like, we don't even have a reviewer in Denver. So like, how would I have anything written about me? The only people who review the ballet are like, 
mom's a cherry creek maybe i should come be a reviewer yeah not that i know shit about shit i actually have my bachelor's in dance which i don't talk about very often because you know i have amazing friends like sarah who have like beautiful careers in dance which is very different from having your bachelor's in dance they do not mean close to the same thing but one of my skills that i developed there and actually became quite proficient at was reviewing dance performances and oh so my god I, I would love to write once you guys are up and running again i don't know if they'd want to post them anywhere but i have hard bunch we'll post it to our website to um yeah. you yeah. should reach out to denver post and ask if they need performance reviewers because they don't have a consistent person reviewing anything that comes through denver well, I would love to do that. I mean, that that was like my bread and butter. I like film review was like my best class in college next to dance history, which we spent almost all of the time watching performances of dance from throughout the ages and reviewing mm-hmm. that. So I'd want to like touch up on my dance history just to have a perspective just in the mm-hmm. ballet section. Um, but I would love to help the ballet out in that way. I mean, that that's something I know I can do. Well, yeah, but also like review, yes. Reviews also help people go into the ballet too, because they're reading their newspaper and they're like, oh, Colorado Ballet. Oh, wow. We have a company here. And then they check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes us seem more relevant if there's consistent reviews coming out of our performances. Shoot. Well, I'll write reviews for your guys' website, whether the post wants it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of reviews, anyone who's listening, if you feel like writing us one, hit us up. Yes, I have to say, Sarah, we owe you a huge thank you because, um, you know, we have a few listeners. I have so many friends and Aloe, I know you do as well, that like constantly send us texts of support and like love everything. But Sarah, you like consistently share our stuff and like, we're so grateful for that. I mean, we so just grateful. love that, that you even care to listen to us at all. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I know. No, I love you, you guys. On. Well, I love you guys and I love what you're doing and I love supporting people who also support other people and it's a great community of friends we have and I love you guys. <laughs> oh, we love you. Seriously. Should we do a card poll? Yes. So every week, if you're new to the, to the cast, um, well, first of all, if you're new to the cast, welcome, welcome. You, you know never if know you're new that Aloe abbreviates everything. <laughs> I love to abbreviate. <laughs> I went shopping with, uh, I made Todd do some errands with me today and I abbreviated a few things. And he says that I'm such a white girl. I was like, well, you, you, I said, what color does my skin look like? I'm confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> like when you started dating me, did you think I was something other than white? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think like, it gets any whiter than a white girl from the great white north though seriously <laughs> I mean I know that I can get down and like sing some little Kim and like spit some nasty biggie lyrics but like I am pretty white it's true <laughs> like, I'm not even gonna lie so is everyone ready for our weekly card poll yes, yes. okay so I asked the collective as per usual, what do we need to hear? What is it? What's the message that we as Americans need to hear right now? Because it's been a hell of a week. And honestly, uh, you know, to be six days into the new year and have this civil unrest that Dakota t- totally called out in our last episode, which was recorded like over a month ago now at this point, I feel like. It's kind of crazy. So Spirit is saying to us today, it's a, I pulled Panther Spirit and I'm using my, uh, the Spirit Animal, Spirit Animal Oracle Guides by Colette Baron reed So it says, reclaim your power. It takes courage to face challenges. And right now, Panther Spirit is here to say that you are braver than you think. Now is the time to take a risk and step into a different aspect of your being. Speak as you have never spoken before. Act as if you have always dreamed you might have the courage to act. Love fearlessly and fully and expect to feel the adrenaline rush as if you are initiated into a new, braver, bolder self. Panther Spirit says the time for dreaming about what you want to do is giving away to the fir- giving way to that first courageous act toward reclaiming your Panther Spirit and power. Your new identity may feel strange at first, but you have what it takes and your soul wants this. Be bold. Act now. Oh my god, I love it. Interesting. I love it. 
This it's is the dawning of... of the age of Aquarius. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's just like kind of saying like overall reclaim your power within. I know that right now times are crazy and like you're watching all of this stuff go down on social media and, you know, seeing that Trump is banned from social media and all the news stories that are being run. I think it's it's kind of saying to you like you're powerful in your own right where you have the you have the the choice to turn it off. You have the choice mm-hmm. to do something else. You have the mm-hmm. choice to go do something positive with your day. Go outside, read a book. Like you don't have to be sitting here being brainwashed by this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like reclaiming your voice and speaking up, just like what you were saying before, Sarah, like reclaim your voice and and speak your truth, like live your life and don't Mm -hmm. be afraid of what other people are going to say to you. And just be open to everything. I was just going to say, that's funny that came up because I just reduced my Instagram time to five minutes a day because I just so sick of it. Oh, damn, girl. She's I have a lot reading, reviewing, it. subscribing, and sharing in those five minutes. That's because she's Fact. a real friend. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It's so good. All right. Well, Sarah, this was awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was so nice to have a real conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I- yeah, mm-hmm. a safe space. No one's going to judge you. Yeah. Everybody needs and a safe you, space. And if you are judging us, stop listening. Go elsewhere. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who is listening. And for anyone who does want to find you on Insta, what is your Instagram handle? Um, so it's Miss Tryon, spelled M-I-S-S-T-R-Y-O-N. That is my work Instagram. I love it. I highly suggest following. There's some beautiful photos and you get to see her in action. With and her you dancing. will also see some really sassy stories at times with my political views. Absolutely. <laughs> my non-political views. Right. I love it. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of For the Love of Punch and Aloe. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Okay. Au revoir. Yay. <laughs> Auf Wiedersehen.